Good evening everyone. Tonight's class is titled Truth is Forever. And recently we've been discussing how you have this personality, you have the Bainani, you have the average person, all of us, and he is someone who has fights. He fights. His life is one big fight between good and bad. And that's why we learned that the Bainani Zev is Eshoftan, the good and bad are, are judging within him. They're only judges. The third judge is Hashem. And therefore the good is going to always overpower. But, we said that the bad within the Bainani is still there. It's like a person sleeping. I'd like to share with you, talking about sleep, I'd like to share with you a law from the Rambam, Maimonides. This is in the book of Nizakin, the book of damage, section on Choval Umazik, someone who physically harms another. Chapter 1, 11. The Rambam, Maimonides, he tells us clearly, he says, Adam Muad Olam, a person who is always liable for his actions. Bein shogeg, bein mezid, whether intentional, whether unintentional. Bein ar, bein yashen, whether awake or whether sleeping. Bein shikor, you could be intoxicated. Im chaval bachavero, if you hurt your friend, um, then you are responsible to pay for the best. Even when we're sleeping, we're completely liable for our actions. Fascinating, the Rambam goes into some, how you're sleeping, what, what, but nonetheless, Awake or asleep, we're held liable for our actions. When we sleep, the Zohar tells us it's one sixtieth of death. But, we're, we're still there. And that is the Bainani. The Bainani, unfortunately, the bad is not, or not unfortunately, as we'll learn later in Tanya, he's privileged to have the, the, the fight throughout his, his entire life. But the bad is there, it's just asleep. And therefore, we have to constantly be vigilant and make sure that that bad doesn't reawaken. Like we spoke last week about the Kohen Gadol, who for 80 years, he was serving in the Holy of Holies, and yet, he must have slipped at some point, because after 80 years of being Kohen Gadol, he slipped. The bad is still there, it's sleeping. And this now will answer a fantastic, an amazing question, and that's what we're going to go to in Tanya. Rabbi, I'd like to share with you about Rabbi. I have this beautiful book, and if anyone is interested in personalities from the Talmud, I highly encourage you to get it. It's called Who's Who in the Talmud. I use it in my Talmud class every day with my students. It's fascinating. And available at Everything Jewish, of course. Probably available at Everything Jewish. Thank you, yes. Rabba was with his nephew, Abaye. Who was Rabba? Let's talk about Rabba for a second. He was a third generation of the Amuraim, of the Jewish people living in Babylonia. He's a third generation. His colleague is Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef was a blind man. And, and they, Rabba and Rav Yosef, were good friends. They were so good, and they fought, of course. Good friends always fight. The halacha, the law, when the two of them fight, is most often like Rabba. And the two of them were such good friends, listen to this, that when the, their teacher, Rabbi Yehuda, died, it was between the two of them to become the Rosh Yeshiva in Pumpadisa. Pumpadisa, a city in Babylonia. The two of them, Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi, are two candidates, best friends, for the Rosh Yeshiva. Each one says, 
take the other one. Rabbah says, Rabbi Yosef is more befitting. Rabbi Yosef said, Rabbah is, is befitting. And I must cut in here with another story. A story within a story. Rabbi Akiva Eger, I just learned this with my students. Rabbi Akiva Eger was traveling to a city with another big Talmud Chacham. They're both in the wagon. And as they get close to the wagon, the Jewish people come out to greet these two big Torah scholars. And they unharness the horses, and the Jewish people start pushing the wagon. Well, Rabbi Akiva Eger sees what's going on in the community. He jumps out. He says, wow, they must be honoring my friend. He jumps out and he starts pulling the wagon. His friend sees what's going on. He says, they must be honoring Rabbi Akiva. Eger, he jumps out, and they get to town, and there's no one left in the wagon. True story. An amazing story. Think about that story. Think about the humility, respect for one another. Back to Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef. Best friends are each saying the other one is more befitting. The Rosh Hashiva and Pumpadisa. Back and forth, the scholars in Eretz Yisrael say, choose Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef says, I will not. Why? Because my mother was told by astrologers that the day I become Rosh Hashiva, I have two and a half years left to live. And I'd rather live more than two and a half years. And Rav Yosef said, choose Rabba. Rabba became Rosh Hashiva when Rabba passed away. Two and a half years. Rav Yosef. He was not well liked by the city of, by the city of Pumpadisa, by the people there, because he was a tough rabbi. Mm -hmm. And uh, the people were not very fond of him. He would say it the way he was. Right. You know, a, 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 a liked, they say a liked rabbi is an issue. If people like you, then perhaps you're not doing your job. You have to say it the way it is. I don't like you. Good. <laughs> so, Rava was a leader of a generation. And now, we look back in chapter 1 of Tanya, and Rava says, I am a Bainani. Familiar? Does this ring a bell? Rava says, I am a Bainani. His nephew, Abayi, says, Rava, if you're a Bainani, if you're only the middleman, and we're all under you, then all of us are wicked. How could you say you're a Bainani? That's the story. But we asked in chapter 1, we said, it's a beautiful story and all, but did Rabbah really think he was a Bainani? He was a leader of a generation. He truly believed he's a middleman? He didn't know he's a tzaddik? If you, do, do you recall we discussed humility? We discussed, the end of, in the end of Tracti Sota, the, the Mishnah says humility has ceased. Rav Yosef, our very own Rav Yosef, what did he say? Remember? He said, how could you say humility ceased? I exist. How could you say humility exists? I, I, how could you say humility ceased? I exist and I'm humble. Is that, is that humble, Yitzchak? No. It's, it, <laughs> whoever is most humble, stand up, right? <laughs> that, that's what happened. <laughs> Tractate Sotra, Yosef says, how could you say humility ceased? I, I, I'm still here and I'm humble. And we discussed then that humility is not to lie. Humility is not to be shy. Humility is not to be quiet. Humility is to do what you do, to be proud of it. But know that it's not because of you, it's from Hashem. That's humility. If you have a beautiful voice and you don't sing, that's not humility. That's a waste of talent. If you have a talent to write, you have a talent to draw. Any talent you have and you're humble, you're not humble. You're wasting your talent. The Rebbe always told people if they have a talent to use it out. And that's what Rabbi Yosef was saying. He said, 
He's saying, I I'm humble. But that's not a problem. Because he was acknowledging who he was. He wasn't shouting out, look at me, I'm humble, I'm the best. No. So, humility is knowing who you are and, not and knowing your talents and that it's not because of you, it's from Hashem. Who is the most humble of all people? Moshe. How could the greatest of all people be the most humble? That's exactly it. He said, I'm the greatest, but I know it's not from me, it's from Hashem. He, he was thus the most humble. He said, if anyone would have what I had, they would be even greater than me. Back to Rabbah. So now we asked in chapter 1, how could Rabbah say he's a middleman? How could he say he's a middleman? <laughs> and now it's crystal clear. Based on what we've learned until now. The Bainani never sins. The Bainani doesn't have any... The bat is sleeping within him, right? We said... The Bainani, when he's davening and learning, the bat is sleeping. So Rabbah said, how do I know I'm a tzaddik? It, I've, I've never sinned. And I don't have bad thoughts coming to my mind, but at the same moment, maybe it's just because I'm, it's sleeping within me. Maybe it's just because I'm learning and davening a whole day. Now we understand why Rabbah could call himself a Bainani. That doesn't take away from Yitzchak being a Bainani, from, from Yoel, from Ladi. All of us, all of us could be a Bainani. We all, we all have that ability. Let's see it inside. Any questions? Okay. Beautiful. We're in the middle of chapter 13, page 56. Chapter 13, page 56, right column, last two lines. But in a Bainani, the bad within a Bainani is by way of example, similar to a sleeping man. The bad is sleeping. Who can awaken from his sleep? Oh yeah, you wake up. And the bad is there. So is the evil in the Bainani dormant, as it were, in the left part. Remember, evil is in the left ventricle of the heart. During the recital of the Shema and the prayer Amida, when we're... Look, at times the bat is active. When we're in the marketplace, when we're out there, then the bat is active and we're fighting. But within the Bainani, when he's in Shul and he's davening, he's saying Shema, he's saying Shemona Ezra, he's completely focused. You look at him during, you look at that, he or she, during um, davening and, and they're lost. They're in a different world. So at that moment, the bat is dormant. When his heart is aglow with the love of God. But later it can wake, it can wake up again. Okay, the Bainani, when he's learning, when he's davening, the, the, the bad is sleeping within him. But it could come back. Ah, and now we go, now we're going to answer that question from chapter 1. For this reason, Rabba considered himself as though he were a Bainani. Now we know why Rabba called himself a Bainani. But how could he call himself a Bainani? His mouth never ceased from t study. And his desire was in God's Torah day and night. Rabba, he learned Torah day and night with the passionate craving and longing of a soul yearning for God with overwhelming love. He was caught up in what he was doing. He, he was learning. It. That was his whole life. He was the leader of the generation. Such as experienced during the reciting of the Shema and Amida. Rabba was able throughout the entire day <clears throat> 
to be in the trance of Shema and Amida. We could only be in that feeling. We're only able to have that love during Shema, or we, myself. If someone else here is a tzaddik, then they could do it the entire day. But, a bain, but if you're, if someone who's working on a bainani, this love is going to only be active when he's davening. When he's davening. The quality of Rava was, he was able to have that trance. He was able to have that love for Hashem even when he was learning. Throughout the entire day, whatever he was involved in, he was able to have that love for Hashem. Hence, he appeared in his own eyes like a Benini who prays all day. As indeed our sages have said, Would that a man prayed the whole day long. The Gemara shares with us in Brachos that if only a person would pray a whole day long. So Rabbah said regarding himself, he said, I'm like someone who prays a whole day long. The bad is not active. I don't feel any bad. It's because it's it's just because I'm davening a whole day. It could be that this moment I stop davening, it's going to come back up. What's, what's amazing about this is on the one hand, it's very, very hard. I mean, you could ask David for instructions how he got there. But for all of us, it's still some, we still have a long way to go. But on the other hand... Let me introduce something here. But on the other hand... <laughs> I have we the have the ability to, each one of us have the ability to become a Benini. We're going to learn that in chapter 14 and 15. Each and every one of us, man, woman, child, can become this person who has full control of himself, full control of what's going on. 24/7. Incredible. 24-7. Thank you. Yes, David. I have to read parts of the Amida over and over because I get through a prayer part, a section and I become distracted and I have to go back and start over it again. So it's not an easy thing. Absolutely. It's, it's absolutely. Prayer is serious. Prayer is serious, serious stuff. Oh, Thank you were, were you saying that to contrast with the fact that they're saying in here that the evil would be gone when he would recite well, he very graciously paid me a compliment, but the truth of the matter is, it ain't easy to pray. It's not just looking at the words, and I have to... You have to work at it. Yeah, and I, I find that I have to go over sections because I'm not concentrating like I should. Any questions? So let's... One thing I want to share. Let's go back to the original quote of Tanya. The Tanya started off... We swear with that fetus right before they come out of the womb. We, they they make an oath to heat tzaddik, be be a tzaddik, be righteous. Al Russia, don't be wicked. And it goes on. Even if the entire world says you're righteous, think of yourself kirush as if you're wicked. Comes the question: How were there people? that acknowledged they were tzaddikim. Seemingly, the Gemara is sharing with us that you're never allowed to believe you're a tzaddik. That's seemingly the implication of the Gemara. Even if the entire world tells you you're a tzaddik, believe, look at yourself as if you're a rush, like a bainani. So how are there people that acknowledge they were tzaddikim? 
It's a good question. Mm -hmm. What's the answer, Michael? They knew they knew they were at Tzadik. They knew they were at Tzadik. That's exactly the answer. If there's an outside source tell, telling you you're a tzaddik, ignore it. If someone comes and says, wow, you're a tzaddik, that, that, we, that just ignore. But if someone is on a higher level and they have a, a connection to Hashem and they, they're experiencing things, if, if you know you're a tzaddik, you're allowed to acknowledge you're a tzaddik. Again, the Gemara is saying, don't trust what other people say. But if a person is a tzaddik, they're allowed to acknowledge it. Make sense? Okay. Let's talk about truth. Let's talk about what it means to be true. I'd like to share a few introductions about truth. Firstly, I'd like to uh, congratulate Rabbi Wilhelm. He, Rabbi Wilhelm created this beautiful, um, and Rabbi Wilhelm is in the corner, so thank you for sharing this is a compilation of many um, fascinating insights that Wilhelm has found throughout his learning. Rabbi Wilhelm created this? Yes, yes. This is a, it's, a, it's a book he compiled called Osios Machimos, which is a quote that says, letters make you brilliant. It's a quote from the Talmud, which shares if you, when you look at letters, they have a power itself to make you smart. You know, that Rizal said, if you look at the letters of the Sefer Torah itself, when the Sefer Torah is lifted in Shul, if you look at the letters, they have special power coming. That's why we, we, we look at the letters of the Sefer Torah. So, when I sent out the email titled, Truth is Forever, I was instructed to look at this page. And I, I looked at it and I wanted to share with you. M.S. Lyakov. This is a quote. Tite Nemes Lyakov, the verse tells us, give truth, attribute truth, Yaakov. Titanemus Yaakov. And Emes Lyakov. Aleph Mem Taf Lamed Yud Ayin Kuf Beith. We're going to take these words and watch what we're going to spell. The same letters, we're going to spell now three different words. Yaakov Lo Mace. Let's try that together. The, four, the last four letters are Yaakov. The Lamed and Aleph spell Lo. Yeah. The Mem and Tuf spell Mace. So when the verse says, Tite Nemes Yaakov, give truth to Yaakov, what does it mean? What does it mean that Yaakov is truth? It means that Yaakov didn't die. By raise of hand, how many people are familiar with this quote from the Talmud? Rashi quoted in Parsha Vayechi, Yaakov Lo Mate, Yaakov didn't die. Anyone, anyone heard it before? The Talmud shares... The Yaakov didn't die. You know, if you look in the Torah, you'll see regarding Yaakov, Avinu, no mention of death. So the Gemara says, one second, did he die or he didn't die? What happens here? And the Gemara says he didn't die. Our class today is not going to focus on what it means Yaakov didn't die. But what our class will focus on is that Yaakov didn't die. That means the third of our three forefathers, the Talmud shares, did not die. And that is why he's called truth. Titain M.S. Yaakov. The verse says, give, attribute truth to Jacob, attribute truth to Yaakov, because Yaakov is forever. Truth is forever. Rabbi Wilhelm, I said it correctly? <laughs> Thank you. 
So sure. Sure, we, we could pass this around. Say, sorry. Uh, you have to ask Rabbi Wilhelm directly for a copy. Okay. So, uh, on the same topic of truth being... <laughs> on, the sa- on the same topic of truth being forever, I'd like to share with you a quote from the Rambam again, Maimonides, the Book of Purity, Tahara, section of Para, Duma, the Red Heifer. Chapter 6, 12. The Rambam shares, he says, Waters that lie are puzzle. You're not allowed to use waters that li- water that lies is not allowed to be used for the red heifer for the paraduma. Now, how does water lie? It's in a pond. Oh well, sorry. So lie, I mean L Y E, like a liar. Oh. L I E. L I E. Thank you. L I E, like a li- someone who like false water that is false cannot be used. What does that mean? How could water be false? And the Rambam himself explains. He continues. Says the Rambam the Eluhain Hamechazvim What does it mean? False water Mayanais Afilu hoyu charevin Pam achas l'sheva shanim Even if you have a spring or even if you have a river that flows for seven consecutive years but then stops, it's called false water. That means the water could, it could be a flow for seven years, but after seven years that flow stops, then that's not flowing water. It's false. It's a lie. Truth is forever. So when it's a lie, does that mean it never happened? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the de- does that mean it never happened? Very good question. When it, was, when it was flowing, was it? When it was flowing, it was not considered a true flow of water. Because it stopped flowing. Because it stops. Period. Because it's a lie that's like it was never true. Sure. Right. Right. Truth is forever. And unfortunately, this leads us to a sad topic, seemingly, regarding the Bainani. The Bainani struggles. So, he's a liar. His, his work is not constant. He doesn't have a path that he follows every morning. Truth is something that is constant. Someone who is fighting, who, this, who today does this, tomorrow does that, is not living a true life. That's quite, uh, quite a hard thing to say. If, if all of us were created to be a Bainani, and I turn to you and I say, wow, you're a Bainani, but you're, you're still a liar. I mean, you know, that's so-so. <laughs> but truth is forever. And that's why we say, oh, I need to share with you one more thing. Could I have that book, Isha? I want to share with you one more thing. And, and this is really, again, it's really astounding. I've shared it before. You'll forgive me. I'm going to share it again. The word truth is made up of three letters. Oh. What are the three letters? Aleph, Mem, Tav. The first letter of the alphabet, Hebrew, 
the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet and the middle letter. MS. MS has the first letter, the middle letter. MS, it's truth is forever. And that's why, even in our day and age when things are changing and people say times... If someone comes to you and says times have changed and we need to adapt to them, that's not truth. No, and this is, I, I mean this. When we talk about Judaism, we're talking about MS, we're talking about truth. And to come and say that times have changed and we need to adapt to them, that's not truth. The times have to adapt to us. Not that we need to live in the dark ages. I'm not saying you shouldn't have light fixtures and you shouldn't drive a car. Not at all. But I am saying when the Torah says that Shabbos is Shabbos and that we're not allowed to work on Shabbos, times have not changed. When the Torah says, you know, that uh, we don't wear wool and linen garments, Shan is, times have not changed. When the Torah says we don't graft trees together, that's the way it is. Emes. Because if, if you're going to come and tell me today that, that times have changed, then everything else was a lie before it. That's what we're saying. You could have water for seven years, but if it stops after seven years, those are false waters. If you're going to tell me today that, the, that times have changed and the Torah has to change, then the entire Torah, God forbid, would be false. It wouldn't be emes, truth, aleph, mem, tough. Yes, Jonathan. The Benini, though, the Benini, by definition, he doesn't, he pushes the evil away. Even though he struggles, he still doesn't, he still pushes the evil away. And the person who obtains that level of Benini, even in the past, if they did, commits, uh, uh, you know, goes, uh, performs teshuva, actually, I mean, if, uh, someone who fully uh, regrets, repents for what he does, those... It's like those. It's like that never happened. It, it, it's like those never happened. So is it is it actually the same as the river example, where it worked, uh, with the Bainani we're talking about someone who struggles but still manages to push away, push away the evil and do good. Is he still a liar? Let's let's see. Great question, Jonathan. Let's see the tiny inside. If that answers the question, good. If not, we're going to take it. We're now on page fifty-eight. It says in uh, small words, tw 20 Tevet, left-hand column, bottom paragraph. And again, we're going to discuss if the work of the Benini is true, if our task in life is true. Now, this quality of love, of which we speak in the case of the Benini Intermediates, which is attained at the time of prayer, Remember, the love of a Benini is only at the time of prayer. We said, after he leaves Shul, there's a, there's a Rishimu, a Rei, and Hashem helps him. But the love is only during the time of prayer. And which is attained at the time of prayer. Why is it attained at the time of prayer by virtue of the preponderance of the Divine Soul, etc.? Because the love to Hashem is only at the time of prayer. Therefore, in comparison with the degree attained by the tzaddikim, who serve God in perfect truth, a tzaddik loves Hashem, this 
tremendous love for Hashem constantly. The Bainani is only at the time of prayer, this true love. So therefore, it's not called true service at all. It's not called avoda, avodas emes. True service. The service of a Bainani is not called true. Because it's only during prayer. The love of the Bainani is not called true love. Because it's only during prayer. When a person leaves Shul, his mind is somewhere else. So Jonathan, in answer to your question, we're talking about specifically here the love of the Bainani. The love of the Bainani is only during prayer. The love of the Tzaddik is the entire day. So we're saying that love is false. If the love is not active the entire day, you know, I mean, let me give you a... If someone loves his spouse, you know, 2 o'clock every day, that's not called real love. Now, you're going to... Yes, over here we're saying... You, 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 it's, it's, of course, that's not really what's going on here. Someone loves their spouse the entire day, but they're not thinking about it when they're at work. Of course, the, the Benini, he loves Hashem the entire day, but he's not thinking about it. Nonetheless, we're saying, because that love is only active during prayer, it's not real truth. Something true, wa true water is something that is constantly flowing. I don't care what the obstruction is. If there's an obstruction to the water, it's false water. I don't care what the obstruction to this love is. Truth is forever. If you're loving Hashem truly, in the ultimate sense, you're gonna, it's going to constantly be on your mind. You could see when someone is, as they call it, in love. That, that's where they are. They're not anywhere else. When they're eating, when they're drinking, when they're sleeping, that's, that's where they are. If our love is real to Hashem, then we're in love with Hashem. Someone looks at us and they see, they, we're in love, we're in love with Hashem. So therefore, relative to the work of a tzaddik, it's not true love. And it is written, this is a very fascinating pasuk. It's a verse from Mishli, and it shares with us, Sifas emes tikoin load ve'adar shaker. The lip of truth, truth shall be established forever. But a lying tongue is but for a minute. A lie? <laughs> lie today out tomorrow. The lip of truth is forever. So seemingly the Bainini does not have true love. And this goes back to what um, Liz asked. We're not saying that someone that doesn't have a constant, that they're not, don't have this in love experience with Hashem has a fake love. No. In other words, when we're saying that truth is forever, we're not saying that if you drink water that stops every seven years, you've drank bad water. But it's not true water. In other, in, other, in other words, truth now is on a whole new level. To be true, it has to be constant. That doesn't mean that everything under that is false. So that's, we're saying the Benini, he may be doing good work, but he hasn't reached that level of truth because the love is not constant. Any questions? Sandra, any questions? Oh, no. <laughs> you could be a Bainini 24-7 for 80 years, but it's not constant. Very good example. Very good example. It's like fake news. Was it ever so news? You could be a better Bainini than the other Bainini.
<laughs> fake news. It was never news. Right, when you find out something is false, that's, that's a good example. It, it was never anything. The other gil is shin chakra, exactly like we're saying here. A lying tongue is but for a minute. But it's important to remember that a true Benoni acknowledges the absolutes and recognizes them, even if he does not observe them 24 7. Somebody who is not a Benoni does not always appreciate, nor acknowledge, nor understand what the absolutes are. Well, that was what you made, the point that you made in regard to certain things that do not change, that are immutable. Point well taken, that the Benini knows where he is. He recognizes his place. But we're going to say that nonetheless, don't get depressed. Brian, <laughs> you're a Benini. That's good. That's good. Don't. If only we should all be Benini. If only we could all copy Brian. An example. I just thought of something. Please. To tag on to what Mr. Aiken just said. If you, uh, if you, um, if you don't, if you only have this love when you pray and it isn't all the time, surely Hashem must recognize that you're thinking t tomorrow or later today I'm going to pray again. In other words, so you, in a way, you are having that love all the time. Beautiful, Garrison. That's exactly what we're going to say now. We're going to say now that yes, the Baini doesn't have the ultimate level of truth, but in two perspectives, he is true. Number one, he has reached his truth. You know, in education, this is what we talk about a whole day. What can Yitzchak accomplish? What can Michael accomplish? What could Yuri accomplish? What could Yoel accomplish? Sandra, each one of us have to know what is our truth. Yes, there are many levels of truth. Baruch, what is your level of truth? What is each one of us, Liz, Jonathan? Where, where, where is our level? The Benini reaches his level of truth. His ultimate is to have love of Hashem, true love of Hashem, true focus, when he's davening. That's his truth. Right? Some children are better... Not all of us, all of us, some of us are better at running. You know, some of us, when, when we were in school, we were probably the head of the basketball team, and some of us couldn't play basketball. Some of us were good in art. We all have our truth. And that's one thing the Bainan needs to know. Again, he's reached his truth. The second thing the Bainan needs to know is that something that is constant even if it's every single day, only for an hour, but it's every single day for an hour, that's also called consistency. That's also called truth. Let me give you an example. The Torah says, Lehalos near Tamid. The menorah was constantly lit. Seemingly, the menorah was lit once a day. And yet, not only was it lit once a day, but it went out at night. It, it went out. And yet we say, Lehalos near Tamid. To, that the menorah was kindled constantly. If you do something every single day, that's also called truth. So the Benini, again, has two reasons to look at himself as true. He's reached his truth. And second of all, even if your love is only for an hour a day, 
but it's every day, that's also truth. Let's see that, let's see that inside. Continues the Tanya, bottom of page 58. Last word of the left-hand column, nevertheless, even though seemingly the Bainani should not be able to look at himself as truth because the love is not constant, nevertheless, in relation to the rank of the Bainanim, it is regarded as a truly perfect service. The Bainani is truly perfect in terms of, in italics, their level of truth. The Bainani has achieved his level of truth in each man relative to his standing in the ranks of the Bainani. This is very important. Each one of us needs to know what is our truth. And if we've reached our truth, we are true. We have... We've accomplished. That's one reason. That even if we've on, we only have the love once a day, it's true. Second of all, continue to Pshneir Zalman. Second of all. For in their case, too, their love during their prayers may be termed Sifas Emes the lip of truth, shall be established forever. Why? Since their divine soul has the power to reawaken this kind of love constantly. The soul has the ability to bring out this love during its preponderance in time of prayer, day after day. Every single day, the Bainani during prayer is bringing up this feeling by means of an appropriate mental preparation. Each soul according to its intrinsic quality and rank. Well, the Bainani every single day brings up this love. Thus, the Bainani could call it truth. So I think we're going to wrap it up and take questions and we'll conclude here. Next week we're going to learn a deeper insight into truth. That's going to be for next week. But let's wrap it up. We started off talking how the Bainani has bad but it's asleep. Therefore we answered how Rabba called himself a Bainani. Rabba, the leader of the generation, because he said... It's as if I'm praying the entire day and the, the bad is dormant. Maybe there's bad inside of me. I've never seen the bad. Doesn't mean it's not there. I've just never gone out into the world. I haven't allowed it to wake up. By the way, did Rabba really have bad? No. But he called himself a Bainani because he felt maybe he does have bad. We then continued and spoke about truth. That although the Bainani only has this love to Hashem during prayer, don't feel dejected. Nonetheless, it's still true because each one of us have our own truth. And if we could do something every single day, that is also called truth. If I could share one thought that everyone should please take home. Each one of us should think about what is our truth? What is our truth? What is our potential? And when you think about that, I also want to clarify, don't think about your lifetime potential. Think about your today potential. Each one of us is in a situation today. Where, where is our goal? Where is our truth? Over time, it's, it's going to grow. That's certainly a high bar. But, let's not forget, we're going to learn, each one and every one of us could be a Bainani. It's, it's incredible. Any questions? I just have a comment. Comment. The anniversary next week yes. is kind of a truth because we all came here every week for 
50-some weeks. Thank you, Garrison, and, and I do want to take a, take a moment to thank everyone for joining us all these weeks. Thank you. Any other questions? Please, John. Uh, you're talking about how Rob Al, he actually didn't have, you know, he said he was a Bainini, but he didn't actually have that. The, we learned earlier that the Tzaddikim, uh, which Rabbi asked, asked the, them, you know, the, the almost Tzaddiks, the true Tzaddiks, whether they had actively converted their klipa into yes. righteousness. Um, which is why, which I assume is why Tzaddikim know that they're Tzaddiks, because yes, they've gone through this, consciously gone through this. So wouldn't Rabbi have known? If he had converted his klipa into good and actually obtained attained true righteousness, great question. Great question. Does, didn't Rabbi know that he worked hard and he had accomplished? Rabbi, he didn't. Perhaps, perhaps he did know, but he was making the statement because. And that, that, this is exactly the point he wanted to bring out. You can't be certain that there's no bad inside of you. How could you be certain? And especially for himself. The fact that the bad wasn't active, the fact he never felt bad, maybe it's just because he was caught up in love of Hashem. He had that in-love experience the entire day. So nothing else was on his mind. But does it mean if he would drop the in-love experience he would, nothing, nothing bad would happen? That was his point he was trying to make. He was trying to say that the Bainani, you could be, on the, you could be completely... It, it looks as if you're a tzaddik. That's why we learn, that's why the Gemara says, if everyone tells you you're a tzaddik, don't trust them. Because to them, you look like a tzaddik. You don't sin. You're in this tremendous connection with Hashem. They see you davening with this unprecedented fervor. And yet it could be, God forbid, when if something negative would happen, your, your mind would go, you know, your thoughts would go somewhere else. Rabbi? Yes. But Rabbah also realized his responsibility to his disciples. And he wanted them to continue to strive. And he said, I am only a Benoni, so can you be a Benoni? Do not think of me as a Tzaddik. Think of me as a Benoni, and you can be a Benoni. Right, I think that's also a good, a good point. Perhaps he wanted very to conscious of his tell his students that uh, we, we, you're, all, you're all able to reach this. Well, I'm having trouble with the statement that the love of the Benoni is only at the time of prayer. I really am struggling with that. I'm not sure I understand it. And right now, my level of understanding it, I would disagree. Which means something is wrong with my life. No, no, no. No, no. First of all, it, I like it when people ask good questions. <laughs> That's good and challenging questions. We would all be Lawrence of Arabia, but the garbage needs to be taken out. <laughs> when the Bainani is at work, does he feel this awesome love to Hashem? Good. He could? Yeah. Right, just because he's not literally within prayer does not mean he doesn't have love of Hashem. Oh, thank you, Sandra. I got the, I got the question now. And I think I have the answer. We have learned throughout Tanya there are so many levels of love. So many levels of love. And when we're talking here about love, 
if you remember in chapter 12, he spoke about a fiery passion of love for Hashem, a very high level. So yes, you could be in love with Hashem the entire day, but that's not going to be a strong enough love to completely have the bad dormant mm. throughout the entire day. We're, what we're saying here is that the Bainani, he, he may love Hashem, not he may, he loves Hashem the entire day. One of the six constant mitzvahs is that a person has to constantly love Hashem. But that the constant love he has is not enough to completely suppress the bad. For example, if, if uh, you know, some desire it comes in front of his eyes, it's going to cross his mind that perhaps that's something really fascinating and interesting. He has enough willpower and, and, and energy to overpower it. But what we're say, if someone is truly, we're, what we're saying here is if someone is truly in the ultimate level of love to Hashem, there's no desire for anything else. The Bainani, that ultimate level where nothing will stop him, is only during prayer. Yes, when he leaves, he still has love for Hashem, but it's, it's not a love that is going to make the bad dormant. Did that answer the question? Yeah, I think I just disagree. Okay. And what, so, sure, do you want to share why? Well, it's just that just because um, you're not in prayer, you know, the, the, the dormancy can exist. You know, it doesn't have to always... You know, it just seems like it, if you love Hashem, at whatever level that the evil within you is um, dormant, I don't think it has to be at the, a time of prayer. It could be a time when you're thinking of Hashem or thinking of someone uh, whom you respect, uh, who has great love of Hashem. And I so I appreciate the point. When I said prayer, I didn't mean it has to be prayer. I meant a time when you're focused on the love of Hashem. Yes, absolutely. This you could be in the work in your workforce and, and be focused on the love of Hashem. And during that moment, it would be like prayer. What I'm what I'm sharing is that when you're involved in your work, at that point, the bainani is not in the in love experience. That at that at that specific point when he's doing what he needs to do. He's doing his work. But maybe he's doing his work at that intensity because of, of his love of Hashem. And it's bringing him to that level of performance. So maybe he's a tzaddik. Mm -hmm. But maybe he doesn't feel it, so therefore he isn't, if I'm catching on. I mean, I, I'm, I just want to, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm fully understanding, but if someone has no Nothing, if, if someone has no desires um, for anything, or, or like that is basically non-existent within him, then perhaps he's a tzaddik. And the Rebbe was a tzaddik? The Rebbe was a tzaddik. Leaders of the generation are tzaddikim. There's very, few, yeah. there's very few in our generation. Well, we learned the ultimate tzaddik is very few. Tzaddikim um, that are not ultimate, there, there could be thousands. Yeah. So is the Mashiach going to be at the... Uh, a, a tzaddik, maybe not born that way, but when he's recognized by others, will he be a tzaddik? Well, Mashiach is, uh, is the soul of David HaMelech. Mm -hmm. 
um, Mashiach is a leader of the generation, and certainly, yes, he is a tzaddik. Absolutely. So is that why, excuse me, some of these psalms that were written by David, they're quite uh, vicious in what he wants done to his enemies. That's a fantastic question. And yes, we learned that great point. We learned clearly that the tzaddik has the ultimate love for Hashem and the ultimate hate for anything against Hashem. Mm -hmm. Yes, we learned that, I believe, in chapter 10. Tzaddik has the ultimate love and also ultimate hate. Um, not a hate to just, no, just hurt people, but it's... it's yeah. Repugnance. Yeah, yeah. It's not very poetic. <laughs> what? The rest is poetic, but the love is poetic. The love is poetic, but it's very what he wants done. Tachlis Sina Sinesim. David Melech said the ultimate hatred I have to the enemies of Hashem. The ultimate. I mean, that's quite, quite strong. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 